0: Um, Matthew uh, 6, 19 is where I believe I left off. And what I believe is what matters. So that's where we're picking up. Let me see if this thing's working. Yep, it appears to be recording. There we go. Um, we're in the middle of, uh, Jesus' first major teaching. He had just, uh, been baptized. He goes, he picks a couple of the disciples. Uh, he gets tempted. So he's... All the things that need to be done to get started, and now he started, and what may be the greatest sermon ever preached—that goes for you know three chapters, the Sermon on the Mount—it covers a lot of ground, and most of the ground that it covers, what he's doing. Well, God hasn't spoken for a long time to His people. Am I keeping you awake, Frank? <laughs> usually, usually I go ten minutes before people nod. <laughs> Sorry. Hey, buddy, you're working two jobs. You yawn all you want to yawn. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Um, Just having fun. I'm here. Uh, I know you are. (laughs) Um, And God hasn't spoken to his people, literally, in quite some time. And this is really the first time, you know, John shows up and everything John has to say to the people is, he's coming. He shows up and the first thing he does is he starts talking, okay, it's been a while since I talked to you, this is what you've done wrong and it's pretty much a straightening out of what the Pharisees had taught the people and this is really a rail against the religious leaders well we'll just say the pastors Uh, I mean I know it's a little deeper than that it it integrates into society and politics and all that but uh, it's serious stuff and um, yes and well that's pretty much the theme from this point on I mean you know, remember we came through the part where he taught us to pray <laughs> what the disciples prayer not the Lord's prayer of course But uh, and then there's you know scripture says this you say that but I say this so he's straightening them out this is what it says this is what you've done with it this is how it should be and they're all standing there by the way they're, they're part of this they, they know it's being said and if it's not being said to them they're being told and so, in, in like three years they're going to kill him for it but uh, he goes on and this is where we're picking up he he's moved off of a few things and now he's focusing on some other things uh, remember there are no chapters in his sermon uh, it, it, we did that so we can find it uh, but yeah so Jesus moves on from uh, what was 18 uh, I got so many notes it may take me a while to get back to 18 I just like to pick up where we left uh, oh he's finishing up with uh, prayer fasting and giving tithes and what he's basically saying you guys have been doing that all wrong this is how you should do it whenever you fast do not put on gloomy face as the hypocrites do and I'm assuming he turns his gaze to the scribes and the Pharisees uh... for they neglect their appearance so that they will be noticed by men when they're fasting truly say they have their reward in full there's a whole different sermon on reward and punishment but we, we'll move on past that but when you fast anoint your head uh... okay do not, then he changes uh, direction a little bit, he changes the tack. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Uh, well, the, the simplest way to put that is in this life. You know, While you're breathing here, don't store up. Uh, it, it's not telling you to be stupid and don't make investments. That's not what he's saying. Don't count on them. Don't make them the most important thing in your life. Where the moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. So Jesus moves from fasting to wealth. Uh, moths are worldly circumstances—you can't tell when a moth's going to come and eat your stuff. It doesn't much matter. It's pretty much gone away. But I'm old enough to remember moths uh, actually—you know—having cedar closets because cedar kept moths out and put mothballs. I—I don't know if you guys have ever seen a mothball, but we used to buy them and put them in places. Yeah, uh, where. So that talks about worldly circumstance and what Jesus is telling you. I'm not going to orchestrate all the worldly events for you. You live through them just like everybody else. The difference in Christians is how you react to them. There's no promises that we don't face what everybody else in the world faces. Then he says rust, which is time. You know, just eventually, if if you make it out of steel, it's going to rust. And then there's thieves, which is people. So circumstances, time, and people will eventually take away anything you thought was really important. You can't keep it because of this stuff, and you die, which is the big one of time. All out to take what you got, as Solomon noted, someone else will eventually have it all, and you have no idea who it's gonna be, whether they're stupid, (laughs) which is Solomon basically saying, my kid may be really dumb, is what Solomon was saying, I mean if you read what he said, I have done all this, I've tried so hard, I worked so hard, I was so meticulous, and I could be living this to an income poop, and there's nothing I could do about it. And so there I go. Uh, The truth of the long-term investment versus the short-term investment. And that is the struggle of our entire Christian life, to walk in the Spirit, is you have to focus on the long-term. And it's not in our nature. Uh, if everybody was in their nature to focus on the long term, uh, just about everybody would be doing extremely well in the stock market. <laughs> but we don't. Uh, you know, we get those checks for uh, <clears throat> stimulus check, and we go out and stimulate. We don't. We don't. We, we we don't think, you know, 20 years down the road. And it's it's amazing to me because in my lifetime, much more you guys. Uh, in my lifetime, everybody had a pension. I have a pension. Uh, everybody I grew up around, we all worked in the steel mills. Everybody had a pension. Uh, I was a police officer; I had a pension. Uh, nobody has a pension now, and Social Security is—I don't know how long—it's coming, and it's going to be very interesting. If you, and I know I'm coming out of the spiritual, but try to relate it back to the spiritual. It's just as important because there's a reckoning coming for this generation. Because you're either going to have to work till you're dead or you're gonna to have to plan and think long term. Well, that applies to the spiritual too, because it's coming. I mean, it really is. It is a wisdom at its core. Uh, don't invest the things you can't keep at the expense of things you should never lose. It's just dumb. And you, you don't feel the stupidity until you're there and you go, wow, that was really dumb. You, you can't invest your life in both it's impossible well that's you know the first thing they teach you about economics you can only do one thing with it and you know and if you put it there it costs you everything else so Jesus is basically saying the same thing it's one or the other uh, where do you want your reward where, where do you want it and who do you want it from? I'm always struck by uh, Billy Graham's daughter gave an account of a missionary. Who, and I, I may have told you guys this year's back, but one more time just because it, it's so poignant to me. And It's a real dude. I can't remember the guy's name, but he was in Africa. It was the same time Teddy Roosevelt was president. And he had spent his life investing in the kingdom of God. He uh, was a missionary, I mean like 30 years, of living in the bush, just denying himself everything, and uh, going on with his life and just... Humbly living his life. So he's coming back to the United States on a boat. And uh, Teddy Roosevelt's on the boat. Coming back from a safari. And when they pull into the dock in New York, uh, Teddy Roosevelt gets off the in front of him and there's this band. There's this vast crowd of people to meet him. They're all cheering because he went hunting. He gets off the boat and there's nobody to meet him. And then he walks down and he says, Lord, I." the guy goes hunting and the world's here. And I invested my you know, a little bit of a, you know, sure. Like, where's the justice here? Lord? I invested my life in the kingdom and I come home and nobody's here for me. And he said, in the still small, quiet voice of God, he said, my son, you're not home yet. It's coming. Don't worry about that. Don't worry about Teddy. Don't worry, Don't worry about the people you see next to you that are, wish them well. Honestly, if they do well, be happy for them uh but know what you're getting because the word that describes what for those who live for the lord is glory and man we just can't comprehend it the eye has not seen ear has not heard what awaits those who love the lord that's real when it says the scripture says things like we will share in the glory of christ <laughs> wait a minute that's not words that's telling you what's. Gonna, i mean that's not poetry that's what's going to happen think it through The glory of Christ, you're going to share in it. Not because you deserve it, because He wants you to have it. And that's worth waiting for. That's worth investing in. Uh, Scripture says we are joint heirs with Christ, which is an amazing thing. We say that so often that we forget what we're saying. But in Hebrews 1-2 it says, um, Christ is heir to all things. So if we're a joint heir with Jesus Christ, and Christ is heir to all things... What do we get? Everything. Everything. Everything we could ever imagine. It's worth it. And and even that's not why we do it. You you know what I mean? Um, Yeah, okay. Uh, Some scriptures that coincide with this. Proverbs 23, 4 through 5. And this is coming from the richest man of of the day. The Bill Gates of his day. uh, From Solomon himself. Do not weary yourself to gain wealth cease from your consideration of it. No, you may say it's easy for him to say he got it, but he also knows what it won't. He knows what it is, but he also knows what it's not. Oh, I don't know that. <laughs> I can't tell you what being rich is not. I, I, I don't have the wisdom to tell you that. Uh, when you set your eyes on it, it's gone. For wealth certainly makes itself wings like an eagle that flies towards the heaven. But store up for yourself treasures in heaven, where neither moss nor rust. Where thieves do not break in, steal. So, if you want to know where Jesus, Jesus is quoting Solomon, is what he's doing. Uh, Proverbs thirty, Psalms thirty-nine, six. Surely every man walks about as a phantom. Surely they make an uproar for nothing. He amasses riches and does not know who will gather them. And that was probably David who wrote that. Luke twelve, eighteen through twenty-three. And he said to them, which I believe is parallel to this Matthew. Uh, this is what I will do. I will tear down all my. This is the parable of the guy who is living his life for riches. So Jesus gives a parable. Uh, I will tear down my barns and build a larger ones, and I will store my grains and my goods. And I will say to my soul, it's important. He uses the word soul. You know, he's to is he, He's talking to his eternal self. So you have many goods laid up for many years to come. Take your easy, drink, and be merry, uh, which is a common quote throughout the Old Testament. And God said to him, you fool. And when you see fool in scripture, it's a heavy word. It's, take it very, it's a strong word, yes. Uh, this very night your soul is required of you. Uh, I like that uh, phrasing. Your soul is required of you when i want it you have to give it you don't have a choice and now who will own what you have prepared so is the man who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich for god it's not saying you can't have treasure it's saying if you do that to the exclusion of not being rich towards god and he said to the disciples for this reason i say to you do not worry about your life as to what you well worry about your life this part of it what you will eat nor for your body as to what you will put on for life is more than food and the body more than clothing Uh, verse 21 for for where your treasure is there your heart will be also Um, this comes down to you cannot serve two masters Um, the question is always this do you have wealth or does wealth have you and it may take you years decades or longer to answer that question honestly. Um, it's a tough one. Um, there are times when I really wanted want more money. I just do. Uh, sometimes uh, I tell myself it's for good reasons. I'd like to help this person or help that person. But the truth of the matter is you won't do anything more righteous with a lot than what you do with a little. Uh, how much you help people with what you have uh, is how much you will help people if you have a whole lot it, it's just what it is You've already, you You've prove what you are what you invest your life in shows what you love and uh, the point is throughout scripture the number one culprit is money because money is power and the ability to do well, just what I preached last week what I want, when I want to whoever I want that's what we want <laughs> I want to be like God I, I want to just do whatever I want to do we need to tell, tell each other these truths on a constant basis. Fellowship, this is so prevalent, and it's so, uh, just crept its way so much into the church that we need to help each other on a constant basis, to push each other to uh, follow the spiritual things at the expense of everything else. We need to have each other's back on this because we're all susceptible to it. I mean, it's one of the things uh, the Satan just tried to tempt Jesus with. You know, it, it was just one of those things, and uh, yeah. And I remind you at the end of, of all that, uh, you know, trying to tempt Jesus with what was his anyway. I mean, it, yeah, okay. Uh, the world is continually telling us the opposite. Put on, turn on the TV, watch a couple commercials. That's all you got to do. They know what they know how to sell to you because they know what you want. They went to school. To know what you want. you Just go stand on a street corner you'll see it for a while but uh, uh, yeah on a scientific basis they know what you want and they know how to use what you want to get what they want which is the same thing you want. They want <laughs> you want that they want your money so it all works out. Uh, we need each other to speak the truth of the Word of God to each other uh, honestly. Um, I, I know I'm preaching to the choir you're here <laughs> and this is a Bible study. But do you realize how many Christians have no idea what this book says? I mean, they're calling themselves Christians. I can't tell you how many times I've done funerals. And, and my funerals have always been basically the same, and they'll continue to be the same until I find something that I think is better. You know, I talk about, you know, usually the person, then I talk about, you know, God's feeling on death, and then I talk about where, the, where they are now and what they are now, what scripture says. And then what you do now. You're still here. And after I do that, and I use scripture all the way through. And I can't tell you how many times after people come with me and say, I never heard that. So how could you never heard that? Where do you go to church? Who's your pastor? Well, I mean I'm not talking some great mystery that I go into the Greek and you know extrapolate. Out. I'm talking just plain scripture. And I've never heard that. And they're like fascinated. Something's really wrong. You know? Anyway. Yeah, but Having said that, I still find myself going and buying a lottery ticket when it reaches $500 million. And that is so embarrassing. I don't know why. It's just like if 300 million wasn't enough, now it's 500 million. And then I, I could do a lot of good with that. And I'm thinking, and I, it's, okay, first off, I really don't care what, gam, is gambling a sin? Uh, I don't see it that way. If it causes you to sin, then it's sinful. If you, yeah, I used to play euchre with my friends. We'd play, you know, two teams, a dollar a game. It, it really meant nothing. It, it's Were we gambling? I just saw it as that's the most fun I'm going to have for a dollar that I could ever have. That's whether I'm justifying something or not. But honestly, it's how I feel about it. And then I find myself, after I play and I have the tickets, I like, oh God, I hope I don't win. <laughs> like, wow, the responsibility that will come with, you know, uh, jacob marley's chain you know (laughs) like you know what Uh, lord just forget it because honestly i know this with all my heart if god wanted me to win the lottery i wouldn't have to buy the ticket honestly you know there's the old joke god says help me out buy a ticket but honestly if god wanted me to win the lottery i wouldn't have to buy a ticket and he doesn't need the lottery he owns all the money he owns all the cattle on the hills I don't know what makes me do it, but it's still part of this, what he's trying to pry us away from. And I've been at this for a long time, and it's still there. And it's embarrassing. And maybe that's the beauty of it. When I do it, I see it, and it confronts me. That little ticket sitting there does more for me and my soul than winning could ever do. You know what I mean? Because it's making me do, It's making me repent. And, and you know, hopefully I'm being sanctified a little bit, you know? Uh, but anyway yeah please god don't let me win this everybody else in the world's playing please god let me win i'm playing oh god don't let me win this i just uh you never know where your heart is until money or the possibility of money is sitting right in front of you and it's the truth Uh, i know i've told you this before but as a police officer i've gone to uh family disturbances where people had died and people in the family was literally fighting, literally fighting over a desk, over, you know, some, just, you were never there. Why should you have it? And I'm like, oh, man, <laughs> this is us. I mean, and, you know, and I've pulled up and says, has it always been like this? No, we always got along. Well, we always got along until the money was there. And then you see which master you're going to serve. And my advice is uh, don't um, judge people too harshly until you see what you've done. Uh, like I said, that lottery ticket always reminds me of my own failures here. Uh, like I said, uh, what you do with little, you will do with much. Generosity is measured by cost, not by amount. What did it cost you to do it? Uh, the percentage. And, of course, the widow's might. Uh, I'm sure you guys all know that one. And Jesus, uh, it, the fact that everybody was standing there watching who was putting how much in tells you something about what had happened and what it had become. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was crowds going, ooh, "Ooh, you know," and this poor little, and they probably made her wait, you know, it probably, and everybody else just turned away when she came because it was like, "Ah, there's nothing to see here." But Jesus watched her, and he says, "Yeah, more than anybody," and. He meant it. That, that's not hypothetical. In the kingdom of heaven, you know, it went up. That's all I could tell you. Then he says, after talking about wealth, the eye is the lamp of the body, the things you want. So then, if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. Uh, what you're looking at, is not so much what you're seeing, but what you're looking at, is what determines this. We control whether our eye is clear or cloudy. This isn't, you were born with cloudy eyes. We're all born with a little bit of cloudy eyes. And we learn Jesus clears them, and you have your choice. You know, I've heard this said so many ways. My favorite is there's two dogs, the white one and the black one. And the one that wins is the one you say sick them to. The others say the one you feed, but the one you want to win wins. Uh, and so what you want to let in is what gets let in. Uh, we And I am by no means am I... Um, saying that we've all had equal experiences um i know boy do i know there are people who have had much harsher uh experiences than i've had they've they've seen more nasty by the time they were 12 than i'll see in my entire life and i was a cop and you know they were raised in it and and but god understands that he judges according to that you know according what does he say the content of their heart. Um, and I try very hard not to judge people. I try to see it as God sees it, you know, um, because I've seen people who were amazingly better than they should have been, and I've seen people who were amazingly worse than they should have been, considering their circumstances and what I knew about them. Um, We see what we look for, and we see what we want to see. What attracts our eyes defines you as light or dark. He says, but if your eye is bad, and once again, uh, we're born with bad eyes. Uh, it's, sin is our nature. Your whole body would be full of darkness. Uh, what, what's, what does Romans say? All of us are desperately wicked, quoting the Old Testament. Man, that's a harsh phrase. Desperately wicked. Of course, that is balanced by all of us being desperately valuable. Even the most desperately of the desperately wicked is desperately valuable. And a lot of our life is trying to come to terms and understand that that's not just me, that's everybody. And I have to view everybody that way. He he demands it. Uh, If then the light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? In other words, what he's saying is, uh, you're born that way, but if you keep looking to it, man, it gets bad. It gets bad. Uh, Look to where you're going, not to where you're traveling through. That is... Honest to goodness, uh, this goes back to what he was saying about uh, your treasures up there. Look to where you're going because everywhere you look in the world, it ain't pretty. Uh, Satan knows exactly, uh, number one, uh, he can't make you sin. He uses what is in you. He knows what you are because we're like him. It's Pride is pride. It has never changed. He could smell it from a mile away. He knows it. He knows what to offer. And um, so if you're looking at the world as you're going and not looking ahead, uh, it will be darkness. Because that's all there is. There's nothing temporal that is worth the value of the eternal or the value or valuable enough to distract us from the glory on the other side of the river. Uh, looking to the other side, well, the old him. On Jordan's stormy banks I stand and cast a wishful eye. To Canaan's fairy happy land. To what? Where my possessions lie. To what truly valuable. What matters to me. And the older I get, the more that happens. Uh, Not just, I mean literally. I mean my parents are over there now. A lot of people I loved. A lot of people from this church that I loved they're over there now. And now when I Glance across the river, that raging tide doesn't scare me. I Because I, I don't see that anymore. I see that. Canaan's fair and happy land. And the more I look there, the less I'm looking here. And the more I look here, the more scary that raging tide is. You know what I mean? The last verse of that, which is almost never published, says, uh, Looking over there, fearless I would launch away. What a beautiful phrase. And we never sing that part. It's not in the hymnals. That less it, Fearless. I used that at my mother's funeral when she died from cancer, because she did. She just got on the dock and pushed, you know, and just, wee, you know. But it's the truth. If it doesn't last forever, here's the absolute truth, a reality of life. If it doesn't last forever, it's not real. It's not real. Uh, the, uh, The only importance temporal things have. And the word is things. Uh is their impact on our eternal reality. The only reason the temporal things matter is if they had an influence on what happens to me in eternity, reward and punishment. I give them importance by stop looking there and starting looking there, I did that. They don't have any importance of their own. It's what I do, what I choose to do when I see these things. How we allow things that will not be remembered to affect us forever. Once again, long-term, short-term, we're just dumb. We're just dumb. We want it now. It, it. Well, we go all the way back to Adam and Eve and see, I want it now. Because, let me remind you, that what we reach for when we said, you know, I, I want to be like God. You will be like God, and we reach for it, and we try to steal it. I want you to realize that in the end... God gives it to you. When you see him as he is, you will be like him. So the thing we try to steal, grace gives to us. And it's being conformed to the image of God. Do you know what that means? I mean, do you grasp that? We're getting it. But you can't do it that way. You can't do it. And the whole book and this whole life is to teach you that it's the grace of God you don't deserve it you didn't you can't earn it you can't take it he's God I'm not so that when you see him as he is and become like him you will be able to serve him you will be able to take all the glory all the power all the authority that he wants to give his people his children join heir with Christ all that you'll be able to have without anything having you without it destroying you like it did Lucifer. That little account about Lucifer is in there for a reason, because all the things that we're going to get, most of them he was given and it destroyed him. Well, God is removing the pride before he gives it. This is, he knows exactly what he's doing. He knows exact, this life is a mechanism for God to get what he wants what does God want children to love and bless he's love love needs desires something to give it to and he has created a system to get what he wants what does he want you all this is so that he could have you proverbs 4 25 through 27 let's look uh, let your eye look directly ahead let your gaze be fixed straight in the front Watch the path of your feet, and all your ways will be established. Do not turn to the right, nor to the left. Turn your foot from evil. Look ahead, walk ahead, and don't be distracted. Because there's a whole world out there trying to distract you. Isaiah 5.20 It's a choice. Woe to those who call evil good, and good evil. Who substitute darkness for light, and light for darkness. Who submit bitter for sweet, and sweet for better who make the choice uh to pursue the the poison instead of the cure Uh, then he says no one can serve two masters verse 24 for either he will man this there is so much truth in this we pretend we can play this game and we can't he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to one and despise the other you cannot serve god and wealth First he says masters, then he clarifies, Uh, you know, basically, you you can't do it, man. And it's not just us. This has been happening since it began. And um, they're not compatible at all. It's water and oil. A general principle applies to a specific point. Only one thing can be your God. Uh, No two objects can occupy the same space at the same time. That's your heart. Uh, don't let it be wealth. Um, yeah, I could tell you that, and I guess all I can do is when I say that and read this is, is encourage you. So when you face that battle uh, the next time, and you will, because the world is just constantly throwing it at you, there will be at least a voice saying it, you know, encouraging you to do the do the right thing. It's one of the great temptations. Nothing wrong with having it or working for it, but not at the expense of righteousness and of god's opinion of you there will come a time when they will conflict and you will abandon one for the other you will either sin to get it or you will give it up to stay righteous it'll happen it it will happen and i'm telling you you're gonna fail and you will learn from failing that it (coughs) wasn't worth it and the next time it comes maybe you'll do it a little bit better that's how it works where am I at here? You get an idea. Oh, boy. Somebody talks too much. Mark ten seventeen through 25. As he was sitting out on a journey, a man ran up to him and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, and boy, I love, boy, this is, I'm, we're going to go over on this one. Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone okay now that's fascinating because jesus is god so what's he saying i mean we reread it really fast we don't have to think about it and we go on to another part that we understand and we just pretend like we understood it and then we go on uh it says you know the commandments and jesus answers the young man do not murder do not commit adultery do not steal do not bear false witness (laughs) jesus rails them off Uh, do not defraud honor your father and mother etc and he said to him teacher i've kept all these things from my youth up Looking at him, Jesus felt a love for him and said to him, and I love that little phrase, Jesus felt a love for him. Like his heart, Ah, dude, you know, I want you here. Uh, One thing you lack, go and sell your possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. At these words, he was saddened and he went away grieving for he was the one who owned much property. Jesus looked around, said to the disciples, how hard it will be for those who are wealthy to enter the kingdom of God. His disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus answered and said again, Children, how hard it is to enter the, uh, is for them to enter the kingdom of God. It's easier for the camel to go through the eye of the needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Um... Going back to what he just said, uh, we're going to choose one of the other. This kid made it that far, man. He he really wanted to know it. He really wanted to be. He was taken by Jesus. Everything Jesus was saying, drawn to him to come have a personal convers to come have a conversation with Jesus Christ. Isn't that where we all need to come? That moment, you know, come into my life. And Jesus said, "Come into mine." What's it going to cost me? Everything. And that's the same. Deal that It's never been a different deal for anybody. You give me everything that you have. I'll give you everything I have. And we say no, because we're stupid. We don't, you know, are, I can see what I have right now. I, I know you have stuff, but I ain't going to get that for a while. But I have this in my hand now. Okay, I need to address the why do you call me good. I, I know it's two separate things, but I can't just read past that without i got to shut the alarm off because it's going to go off. Yeah. Um, so much for the alarm. Um, why do you call me good? That's a fascinating statement. John 5, uh, 41 through 46, uh, just 41. It says, I do not receive glory from men. Jesus is telling him, <laughs> Jesus makes a statement. Uh, I don't care what you say about me. I don't. Re- what you say about me doesn't matter you calling me anything doesn't matter uh for, as far as what I think I mean yes, it may mean something to you to call me you know when Peter said you're you're the Christ, he said, God told you that, but I didn't need to hear it. <laughs> I already knew it so there's that, and then there's this uh realize who all's there who's listening what he's really saying, I believe is. If you're calling me good, believe that I'm God. Do you see what I'm saying? If you're saying I'm good, then who am I? I'm God. Do you believe that? And also, the scribes and Pharisees are hearing this. I honestly believe that's what he's saying. Um, The pulpit commentary, uh, many of the commentaries, there's a whole lot on this, but it's struck... it said it the best way, that, better than I could. He seems to say to him, if you call me good, believe that I'm God. If you're going to go ahead and make that step and call me good, then take the next step. And for no one is good, intrinsically good, but God. God alone is essentially good, wise, powerful, and holy. So it's more of a declaration of who I am. Okay, you're calling me good. No one's good but God understand that. So, who am I? And uh, I don't need anybody to believe that, but that's just what I came up with, and I really feel really good about it. And when you couple it with uh, John 5, uh, 41, I don't receive glory from men. I mean, it really doesn't matter what you uh, to me. What you say to me doesn't add anything to me. If God says something about you, that adds something to you, without a doubt. But us saying something to Jesus, it's like Okay, thank you. You know, but it didn't really change anything. So that helped me. But of course, the point being, the eye of the needle thing. Um, I've heard that said that the gate was called the eye of the needle. There's a little hole in the wall, and it doesn't matter. You get the point. Um, it's extremely hard, and the the amazement of the disciples tells you how far spiritually the teaching had gone from where it should be. They didn't. They didn't understand it. I mean, I'm looking at you guys, and I, I know you all get it. These people didn't understand at all. And these were the 12. I mean, these were the disciples, man. And uh, they still had to learn the basic thing that what the world says doesn't matter at all. It just doesn't matter. So I think it would be wise for us to leave off there at verse 25. Any questions, comments, criticisms, anything like that? Anything? Let me write that down, verse twenty-five, so that when I start back up, I'll know exactly where I left off. Boy, this is this is one powerful sermon, man. I, I'll, you know, I'm working on the next chapter, and I just wow. You know, I've always said if you understand Romans, you understand Christianity. Well, if you understand the Sermon on the Mount, you understand Jesus. I guess that's the best way to put it, because, man, there's a lot there. He, he, This is a sermon of sermons. All right, well, let's pray. Father, we come before you, we thank you for your word, and what we ask, Lord, we thank you for this fellowship and your word, uh, and, Lord, we just ask that your word find a home in our heart and changes us, uh, that it reaches deep inside and takes the filter off our eyes so that the light comes in and lord for one very good reason so that we could be the light back out into this world and not part of the darkness and lord i just ask that you watch over my brothers and sisters that you uh, bless them uh, and just help them glorify your name in what they think what they do and what they say in jesus name amen